Everything Comes From Something is an unoriginal podcast about unoriginality because everything truly does come from something. My name is Isaac Ransom, one of the hosts of this show, and I wanted to remind you, if you enjoy the episode after you listen to it, make sure you check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ECFS podcast where you can throw a couple bucks our way. We appreciate the support, and even if you can't throw a couple bucks our way, you can give us a rating on iTunes or tell your friends and family about the podcast because that is how podcasts grow. With no further ado, we would like to welcome our guest, Austin Keys, and we hope you enjoy the show. Austin, Austin, Austin. It's been so long since you've moved to far away Washington, all the way gone from California. What are you doing up there? I'm just living life in North Bend, Washington. Is that what you tell the police when they pull you over? Yes. What's your story? Like, how'd you end up there? What are they saying? Why are you in town? I say that I'm in town to work at my travel job. What do you, what's your travel job? I work in the hospital as a traveling <laughs> ER. You are a traveling ER. Yeah. That's a bunch of BS. I know. What am I referring to? Yeah, I have Washington plates on, on my GTO. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Everything Comes From Something. Let's all clap together in your vehicle, in your headphones. Austin's not clapping. The return of Austin Keys. Throw out your Instagram. Uh, 04 bad GTO. Last time you were on the show, Austin, you had done, you were just getting started with like racing and cars and whatnot. Your GTO has progressed and just become more and more sexual as I look at it on Instagram. It is becoming an incredible looking car. Like it is very beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Actually, I read the comments and I am a little scared. Some of the people are just salivating over this vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's weird that, you know, I do usually do like a couple, like every couple of months I'll do a, a post of like where the car is like transformed from and like it even like shocks me to think like that the car is this like progressed. What shocks me is that if, if you don't know, GTO is made by Pontiac and Pontiac is out of business. There's like this cult following. Well, they're in Australia still. Really? It's Holden. I didn't know that the company So there's like sell. a whole manufacturer called Holden. Oh, okay. It's like Holden Australia or something like that. And it's basically like a GM, I want to say it's like a GM company maybe, or it's, it's its own company, but it still makes my car, but in like their version. It's literally oh. like the same body, same everything, just like a little bit different, like a front bumper, but like the interior is the exact same. It's like a lion head or is whatever is their badging. They don't update, do they update the car at all year to year anymore or no. is it so it's, it's it's more still i mean they're more focused towards like a different different style car mm. like they still have like an el camino almost looking car so for the most part when they were still operating in the states not to say that they're not gone no, they're gone oh well pontiac's gone yeah well pontiac's gone from like being a realtor in the states but they used to sell like muscle cars sedans like regular cars and now they just do like specific Whatever you're talking about. What was that? The Holden? Yeah. Oh, no, no. They make everything over there. Oh. It's like a legit like car company. Like, like it's like a Chevy. Oh, okay. For over there. But, I mean, it's like it's only in Australia. So, real question for you. Are you going to import a Holden car? No, you, you can't. Oh. Or else I would. Really? <laughs> yes. They make like this. It's called the U. It's literally like a 
newer version of the El Camino. Okay. And I would definitely import one. Why can't you import it? Because the stupid 25-year rule. What What's the 25-year rule? So basically any car that's under, or is it under 25 years from out of the state or from out of the country is uh, basically not able to be imported into the uh, states. So you can import old, like really old cars. Yes, but yeah, so like the Nissan Skyline is like something that you see like, <clears throat> what do you call it, uh, in Fast and Furious, Brian uh, O'Connor's car or whatever, the, mm-hmm. the silverish one that he gets in like Fast and Furious, I think three, or I don't know, the one that he always, he's driving in like Fast and Furious 2 or something like that. So he, that's a Nissan Skyline. That car is actually not able to be imported yet because it's under 25 years. Do you think we'll see car culture kind of embrace these cars year in and year out oh is i it, mean they're anticipating like ant- anticipating the like each year of like getting it so like the nissan skyline started in 1990s i think or something like uh-huh. that and then uh so like 1990s skylines are able to be imported because it's over 25 years and like i think it's up to 93 or what is it 94 now or something like that is there some list that people like watch or get excited about like for I mean, the year they're just waiting or whatever. they're they're waiting for this the specific year that like the one that uh in fast and the furious it's called the um nissan skyline uh the r34 is what it is so like the r32 and r33 are the ones that are basically able to import right now and the r34 is the one that everybody wants because it's called like godzilla or something like that oh Sick. And so that's the one everybody wants, but it's it's not going to be able to be imported till like 2025 because it's a 1999. That's so interesting. I had like no idea that that was a thing, the 25-year rule. Yep. Wow. All right. Well, I know we were just jumping into it, but Austin Keys, he works with cars. He also works in medical. The last episode he was on, I don't even remember the number, but you just pretty it's much like talked 30. about your medical career. And when we last chatted on air... You were just starting with 04 underscore GTO, right? Did I get that right? It was. And, and this is basically Austin's project to renovate and start racing this Pontiac GTO. What's the year of that car? 2004. So 2004. It looks great. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check out his Instagram. He's got a lot of custom parts. And you told me, wh- what's your reasoning behind all, all these like custom parts that you put on it? Um, well, the series that I do is, uh, basically it's all designed and geared for people to like customize their cars. Like they don't want you just to be able to go off and like buy parts offline. They want you to take the car and like transform it. And I guess your own vision is more like what they say. they'd like to see you get more points from like in like the design part of the competition by building your own stuff instead of just buying it. Have you seen any terrible visions of like someone like building a car? Not to throw anyone under the bus, but yeah, like have I you, have. Have you seen some like what what's a part that you just would not recommend for someone to try to build? I mean, any body parts like it takes a lot of time to like master it. Right. So if you're if you're trying to create your own body kit and mod the car for that, that usually comes out weird. Well, I mean, I put fender flares on my car and it's like my sixth set and I finally just started getting it right. Yeah. Cause I remember you used to have like strange bolts going through these plastic panels hanging yeah. off your car and I was like, you know, it's all that, like trial by error. That looks okay. You know, it's all <laughs> but, trial by error. Yeah, but your car looks a lot better now. Well, I mean, now I'm doing my own carbon fiber. 
Yeah, no, it looks super sick. So. Did you do the hood? Is the hood carbon fiber now? Yeah, I bought that. Okay. That was just, I mean, that's like, it's something I probably could have done, but like, it's just simpler to just to buy it. What are some of the coolest custom pieces that you've seen people put on cars? And that would, I mean, like, it would be funny if it was body kit pieces as well, but. No, I mean, honestly, like, the, like, in my series, there's a car. This guy designed a 1967 Camaro, and it's, like, fighter jet themed almost. Oh, cool. But it's, like, the interior of his car is, like, all, like, centered towards, like, it looks like you're in, like, a like a cockpit of, like a like, a fighter jet. And so, like it's all custom like fabricated like hand laid like aluminum that's like welded in and it just looks very very good i think like that's if you can do that with metal like it that's probably the best looking stuff yeah definitely i sat inside a oh man a thunderbird i think it is um one of my coworkers has this old car man i bet you i'm butchering it it's not a thunderbird um, but it, a it, Firebird? Firebird. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. It was a Firebird. I don't know. I don't know cars too well, if you can't tell. I know but, there's a Thunderbird, but I don't, it probably isn't the one that you're talking about. Yeah. It's a Firebird. I think it has a hard top. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You're talking like the one in Smoking the Bandit or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But all the interior had been reworked by a leather master. Yeah. I mean, and that's like super, super like custom stuff. I, I was like, dude, this is nice. Like yeah. those, first of all, those old classic car seats are the most comfortable like they just are incredible but as far as custom work goes i had never seen anything like that like modernizing and bringing a car forward in such a classy way yeah i mean like with the guy that built that camaro i mean it's just like it's very refined on how he did it like you know it's really hard to make aluminum like and it's it's not painted so like you can make aluminum look good because you can just paint it like a pretty color or whatever right right and it'll look good but like he kept it like brushed aluminum so like it's even harder to make like an object look good by keeping it like it's raw finish. Definitely. So, I mean, that's what I was complaining to you about when we talk about my daily driver, which I drive a 2006 <laughs> Hyundai Tiburon GT. <clears throat> the car's not pretty. It just has a nice name. Um, but yeah, dude, like those cheap, like my car, my car's just like a cheap sports car coupe thing. And the most embarrassing part about the car isn't the way it drives. It's not even like the strange engine layout. Although Austin, you think that's disgusting. I know you've made that very clear. It's most like European or no Korean cars are like that. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> and uh, but like, what really bothers me is that although the the parts are cheap, like the finishes and the plastics wearing and the seats are falling apart. And I'm just like, man, this sucks. You know, like I just, the details on a car are just, I don't know. They're like really important. I think they're really important for, for the whole package. And so this is what interests me about the series that you're in. What is the series you're talking about? So I do the Optima ultimate streetcar series. So basically you're supposed to take a streetcar still supposed to be a street car you're supposed to be able to drive it on the street like i can basically go and take it and drive it to work if i wanted to but you're like race it and stuff like that and there's like five categories it's uh one of them is the road course so you basically drive it on like an actual road course segment and then there's an autocross segment which is like 
the cones that you see in like parking lots and stuff like that but it's a lot more difficult and they use part of the track also right and then there's a speed stop challenge which is like a quick burst of speed and then like a quick left or right or something like that and then you come to a you have to stop in a stop box and it's all for time so you try to like stop as late as possible but you also don't want to go past the box that's interesting it's almost like shuffleboarding with your car or something yeah like i mean you i mean in theory you want to stop as late as possible because that's going to give you the best time because you're going to be the fat that's going to be the fastest way but like you also have to be able to stop in the box at the same time so you have to like kind of be strategic on where you stop at i literally have or never have really really good breaks i've never heard of that competition ever with so, a car. well and then yeah and so then there's actually two more segments it's uh a design and engineering challenge which is like what i said it's uh so this series is televised it's on mav tv or something like that i legit saw it on at the gym yeah so when you were over there on the weekend <laughs> i was like what so basically you ba- are in front of cameras for this design and engineering challenge and you uh what do you call it uh basically present your car like you have four minutes they put a four minute timer clock on you and you have to basically go over your whole car and explain everything that you've done to it and in front of judges and then they judge you on it and like it's all in front of cameras and it's like very like people like have note cards like it's gets so serious right how was that experience for you i mean my first time i did it i was definitely like a lot more nervous than i should have been but like this last time i did it because i've done it twice so far because i've only done two rounds on it i've definitely like you you definitely see the improvement that i did on my second one and like my third one coming up in september for my next event it's i mean i'm i'm definitely going to be more prepared like i'm going to have like it all laid out and stuff like that because i mean you definitely suffer like i i definitely have a better car than most people that got higher scores than me like i've done more stuff and like the design part of my car is a lot like more you know i feel like it's a better car than most people that got higher scores but i presented it wrong um they or they presented it better than i did to their car and so they got a higher score I got you. So it's made me like, you know, strive to do a little bit better. You're going to wear a business suit next time. No, no, no. no. But I mean, I'm just going to like, I'm going to definitely like think more about it. Like I'm not going to just go in there and try to wing it, which is what I've done. Yeah. And then uh, the last part is like a road rally segment. So it's to classify you as a streetcar because you're supposed to be insurance registered through a state or whatever county. Yeah, what's the deal with that streetcar, Austin? I mean, none of these cars are streetcars, if you think about it. Because you're just registered in a different state. Is Washington like... I'm registered in Washington because Washington doesn't have... Or the county that I'm registered in doesn't have smog rules. The county, not all of Washington. Not all of Washington does. But I think think they're coming out with the word. They're getting rid of smog completely. So I think all of Washington is going to be like that. But yeah, so I'm in North Bend, which is a non-smog legal like county. Wow. So, and I, I, you know, I live there technically. <laughs> nice. Good. 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 So, so every other racer in this competition is probably doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very rare that they are like, I mean, unless they're like an older car where you don't have smog rules, like in California, because like any car that thinks 1972 and below doesn't have to uh, abide by the smog rules. That explains my friend John's car. Yeah, because, I mean, they didn't have smog back in that day. Right, right. So, I mean, how you expect them to be a smog car if they don't, you know, if they didn't, you know, abide by those rules back then. So, I mean, unless they're, like, the older cars, because there's different classes. Like, there's a GTV class called Grand, or G, it's vintage class. So, anything like 19, I think it's like 79 is the cutoff for uh, the race. But, uh, 
yeah so like all those cars are usually california or like something like that but then my class like yeah i mean you're like alabama florida like all these like random like states all these people <laughs> who clearly just live in california yeah i mean a majority of them either live in like the ones that live in california like are definitely uh registered in like the surrounding states so like nevada arizona like state states like that like they're not going to register unless they're like they have family somewhere else like they're going to try to just register elsewhere i got you what are so are most of the races in california no they're all over the country where have the last few races you've been so i did one in vegas um it's at las vegas motor speedway and then i did one at pikes peak international raceway in colorado nice and then the next one's in LA at Auto Club. How many races have you participated in since the last time that like we talked? Five, five or six. Have you got to ride any on any tracks that you're just like you absolutely love? Yeah, the Pikes Peak one. That was great. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, and Las Vegas is is cool, but I mean, I'm definitely that's like probably the track that I'm going to be going to the most. So it's like it is it's nice. I mean, it's just but it's just Las Vegas. Like I'm not like super you know, like thrilled that I did it. I mean, I was thrilled that I did it, but yeah, yeah. it's not like a bucket list item. Isn't Las Vegas hot too? It's very hot. Yeah. Your car's just going to overheat. No. Cause it was in March. So oh, it was okay. actually really nice. It was like 70 degrees. I the think. last time it was nice on Vegas ever. Yeah. So last race though, in Colorado, you had some issues with your car. Yeah. So I basically, uh, it was on the last day. I mean, I blew my power steering pump. But uh, it almost put me in the wall. How nerve-wracking is it to experience technical failure on a car in an event? And, like, like how do you even deal with that? Because that's why you're there, right? And the whole thing revolves around that car working. I mean, it is pretty stressful. Like, I mean, you always... I think, like, the reason... And, I like, me and my, like, friends have been talking about this, like, that helped me out, like, that go to these events with me. And, like, we definitely, like, you can see, like, the people at these events that have, like, the better cars and stuff like that, like, they're pushing their cars to, like, the limits and they don't care if they break and, like, because they'll just fix it. But, like, for me, it's, like, I don't, like, I've, I haven't been taking it super serious, like, to the point where, like, I haven't been pushing my car to, like, the absolute limit that it needs to be pushed to win the races because I'm afraid that it's going to break. And then yeah. I'm going to be, like, uh, I'm going to be out of, out of, like, I'm not going to be able to finish the year totally but for other people it's like eh, i'll fix it right because they have the money <laughs> and you're working your butt off right now yeah how many jobs are you juggling right now just two just two but you used to be at four right i didn't know i spit three what about o'reilly's dude don't be dissing over right. your o'reilly's job <laughs> <laughs> but no, austin no. worked at o'reilly's just for a discount it was like for two hours a week or something yeah no but i mean right now i just have two jobs but the whole month of august i don't have one day off dang that sucks but i also just spent like six grand on my car like well an, two hours ago <laughs> yikes dude what'd you get like a whole bunch of parts that i needed just upgrade stuff always parts it's always parts always always but the problem is is now my races is in september and i gotta find time to put those parts on yeah, you spend a lot of time working on your car too, it's huh? Like go to work, go home, sleep, work on my car, go back to work. Yikes. Repeat. <laughs> I mean, no one else is going to do it for you. Nope. You ever... And you really can in this competition, which is the good thing. You have to be the one that works on the car. That's interesting. So at least all the guys around you 
guys and gals that work on their cars they know what they're doing right oh yeah i mean and they're really nice out there like if you break down like they have no issues like dropping what they're doing and coming to help you that's cool so i'm sure it's like a community out there like i feel like it's it's definitely like a cool little community yeah i'm sure that they would understand how stressful that is too oh yeah i mean like i was super proud of the people that like so i have two of my friends that came with me all the way out to colorado like they flew out there and one of them actually drove with me Mm -hmm. and uh basically like it was super helpful that they were out there because in between one of my runs on the Saturday for the autocross, um, my belt th- got thrown off my serpentine belt. And I had like, so basically you get three runs. So you have like six sessions, but in those sessions you get three runs per session. And basically you're like, you go out, do the run, and then you get back in line and then you have to do the run again. So it's like very fast paced. Like you have like maybe four or five minutes in between the runs. So like... I'm, I was like, oh, I'm going to like miss my whole session because it happened on my first run. I was like, this is going to suck. Cause like you, you know, you want to get every session that you can. Cause of course. I mean, it's very, it's really competitive out there. So like those two sessions could be like, you know, the difference between like you getting a slightly lower time. What, what really surprised me, Austin, is that I had zero interest in racing until I started hanging out with you and you started showing me the craftsmanship side of it and also the technical skill that is required out of the drivers who are basically the athletes of the show right yeah, i mean it's like an i mean it's like an art slash sport slash like i don't know like just culture it dabs into a lot of different things and i actually was you were trying to explain to me in the most easy way you could how to race and drive like correctly on a track when we used to go go-karting together and I was like, what the heck? Like, this is so There's odd. a science behind it. There like, is a science. Yeah, it's... Talk about it for a second. Because I was just... I was very confused when you're like, you have to follow the I mean, there's line. A, there's a line on each track that's the fastest line that you can take that's possible. Like, And it's not going to be... You know, most people think it's going to be every inside corner of the... You know, because that's the shortest route of the, right. the track. But you know it's it all varies on like how the tracks layout is and stuff like that like you want to be so there's things called apexes on the turns and that's like the very if you think about a complete like 180 degree turn at the very top of that uh turn is going to be the apex so that Mm -hmm. means you want to be at that apex point on those turns because that's going to be the fastest route to exit the turn so and like the so like with people that think that uh, the fastest way around the track is to basically just go around the inside of the turn they're going to be wrong because someone who is coming on in the outside of the turn or starting on the outside like entering the turn on the outside and then exiting on the inside is going to have a faster momentum leaving the turn than someone that just took the inside route and thought that that was going to be the shortest route and they overshoot usually too right when and they you- do sometimes yeah they do on, uh, they do overshoot but i mean sometimes the outside way i mean so basically staying on the outside the whole time is sometimes faster too because huh. you're, you're carrying more momentum throughout the turn rather than like having to turn sharper which is usually what happens when you're on the inside you have to turn more but rather than on the outside you're able to carry more speed and just kind of let the wheel you know go yeah i like never considered it because when we used to race at the go-kart track I would just go on the inside, always, 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 because I was like, it's the fastest way. That's how I win in Mario Kart. We're on go-karts, you know, that's how it works. But then when you started explaining to me the science behind it, I was like, I never 
even considered this from the first place. And it makes total sense with the velocity and and the way it works with the turn. Um, I'm sure that, I don't know why I just wanted to comment on this, elevation of turns, that mm-hmm. plays into the science as well, right? I don't know if there's, there's anything. There's like a comment. whole, like, it's, I mean, it's all like in, it's literally like people study this, like, you know, if you think about like NASCAR and like Formula One and stuff like that, these are like very, very, very competitive, like expensive sports, you know, they have literally engineers researching these like tracks, like figuring out the best layout for to like take. Mm. Like there's people that get paid just solely to do that. Now you mentioned NASCAR and Formula One. Do you have any interest in racing in those? I mean, sure, but like it's like something that you would have to start at like six or five. What? Why? You'd have to start like you would have had to like it would have been like me in baseball and I would have had to start at like an early age to be at the level that you need to be at by like my age. Because most of the drivers are my age. Huh. Already. Yeah. I mean it's really, really rare that you get into that kind of racing at a super late age. How do you even find the entrance to that kind of sport? You just start at like different like it's usually go karts and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you know, people start at go karts and then work their way up to different like levels of racing. With go karting, you actually used to do some racing tournaments and go karting, right? Yeah, I did like some shifter karts and stuff like that. Was that was it unfair if people were lower weights because they're like kids training? Uh, no, I mean it. It all comes down to skill, really. Okay. I mean, like on on go karts. I mean, yes, the weight mattered a little bit just because you. It's such like the carts are you know so light as themselves that yes a little bit more weight's going to matter but when you get into the like later parts of racing where you're in a car i mean that extra like couple pounds is really not going to make a difference okay i was just curious about that let's circle back to formula one and nascar so you probably won't make it there just due to the early start phase yeah what are your aspirations to move up in the racing world like I know you're doing what's it what's the race you're in right now? Oh, the Optima Challenge. You're yeah. doing Optima Challenge. Is this something you want to continue to do? Yeah, I mean it's in? like it's the series is designed for just your average people to do it. Like it. I have I mean, yes, my aspirations would be to like I would love to go on and do like more like serious type of racing. And I feel like I have the skill to, but like I don't know, it's just like it's so much work to get into it. Like you literally like it's all money. It comes down to money. Like, the racing is all about money. In what ways? Like, buying the car itself? or No, like, the more money you have, the further you're going to go in racing. It's in every type of racing. Like, even when you started a little, if your parents had a ton of money and you had the best, fat, the fastest car, the fat, like, everything else, like, the best gear, you were going to do better than someone who was, like, at a lower tier. It makes sense, right? Because you're basically... The money funds the machinery and its optimization. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the same thing with like NASCAR and Formula One. NASCAR, the teams that have the most money to spend are going to have the fastest cars, the best cars, the best drivers. They're going to be the ones that, you know, are doing the best. Formula One, same thing. Formula One, you have basically three teams that do really, four teams really. You have uh, McLaren, Ferrari, and stuff like that but they also spend a billion dollars a year on almost, uh, or I think it's like maybe half a billion or something like that, but it's a, it's a certain amount of money. And then, then 
there's like a like there's four teams that spend like stupid amount of money and then like the next team down spends like a hundred million yeah but they don't even compete with those teams they don't even come close they don't know they they like hardly ever even come close to like those other teams in the races so price versus actual athletic performance is all out of whack in the racing community oh yeah i mean it's the same with my racing too like there's guys that literally have like full like race trailers like a full team behind them like to help them like there's a guy out there that has this like evo or whatever he literally has a full nascar like like trailer setup that he pulls his freaking car into picture like lightning mcqueen's it's exactly almost like that (laughs) (laughs) and it's he has like stupid amount he flies in because someone else drives his car to the event wow like that's how, how he, stupid it is. How does he pres- present like with the building of the car and whatnot? Huh? Does he do that presentation about like Yeah, he does all that. He he knows. But he but he's been doing this like racing for like ten years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a rich man's hobby at that point, right? Oh, it totally is. And then there's guys like that have like design shops that like are actually like fat car fabricators that like also do really well because all the they I mean their advertisements this car that they're they built. Yeah. So like they have hundreds of thousands of dollars into this dang car and then like there's me that's got like 40 right which is a big chunk it's yes it's i mean it's a lot of money have you ever considered partnering or working with other car builders or car shops and i mean i have sponsors yeah so like how did you come across those just you have reach out okay like i put a like a lot of people don't realize that you actually have to put a proposal together like i put a like a legitimate business proposal together for them and like presented it to or emailed them the proposal and said hey i like i'm on this like series that's televised like do you want to partner with me like you know it doesn't mean that i get free parts or anything i might just be a discount or it might be like hey like i'll give you like 10 percent off but i mean every little little bit helps yeah it makes sense and i mean a lot of the community out there that like if um a lot of the car community thinks that all these sponsorships are just like free parts everywhere. Yeah. And they're not. It means like it's very, very rare that you actually get free stuff. Do you want to shout out any of your partnerships that you actually are like super appreciative of or? Yeah. My wheel company. Your wheel company. Because yes. I, I know you love your wheels. That's I, love, I, was like. I love my wheels. What's the brand? And it's clutch. Uh, it's clutch. It's clutch is the wheels. Okay. Clutch it's wheels. like the basically they have a couple companies um they own like concept one and stuff like that too but clutch clutch wheels is the is the big one your tire your tires and wheels they look great i know they don't do tire they don't do tires they just do the wheels i wish i got tires for free oh that would be sweet (laughs) huh and some of the guys out there do get tires for free, dude but your wheels do look good yeah and I, i love them and i mean it's like a big it's a big help that they help me out yeah so i mean i'm super appreciative of that and then there's um I'm, I'm helped out like a little by a couple other like uh, sponsorships like uh, Showtime for Fabrication. They're in Australia. Um, they helped me with my like suspension setup and stuff like that. And then um, Texas Speed is another one for my motor. Rad. Super cool. So I want to kind of go back on your dreams and your envisionment for where you're going with this. I see you doing, you could keep doing this Optima race challenge and continue to do it because I know you love GTO. But what about the future, Austin? Like, what are some things that, even if they're completely unrealistic? I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. 
And if I could do like stunt driving, you want to do stunt driving? <clears throat> that's what I, I mean. Honestly, like I have a friend now. I met someone at like a local race or something. He does stunt driving in the movies. That's super cool. And I was like, that's like something that I could see myself like easily doing that. Like you get to make money, but like, it's also, you get to drive these awesome cars. Yeah. And it's like, why not do that? What kind of training do you need for stunt driving? Nothing. You just have to get like, it's like a special like license or something. Okay. But they only give it to you if like you have like a background in actually racing. That makes sense. So. Huh. Stunt driving sounds tough because what if you like. I mean, it's, it's not all that you think that stunt driving is like, so like, you know, the commercials of like Kia. Right. Or something like that. If they're just driving on the road. Yeah. Like that's a stunt driver. I guess so. Huh? And you get paid for that. Like you could be doing 35 miles an hour on a like a city road. Oh come just, on, Austin! You want to do? Like, I know I want to do more stuff. Like you want to do e-brake turns and stuff. Yes, like I would love to do that stuff. But like you know, I mean, there's also that fact that you can. I mean, you got to work your way up to do something like that. That'd be sweet. I mean, I, that's why. That's what I said. I mean, and then there's other like opportunities, and I feel like that would just kind of like grow into like more opportunities if I got started in that to the point where like you get invited by these like race teams to be like hey we're down a driver or something we need someone to drive our car yeah and like that's what i would eventually would love to get into so you're like in the phase of networking because the last the last time we talked you were in this networking game but now you're like much deeper in the industry and you're actually having racing experience i remember when you asked to be on this podcast austin <laughs> you're like let me on let me on let me talk about my car you know let me talk about er experience i was like okay we can talk about the er we can talk about your car but i was like i want you to do some races first and already i see like a huge difference in the way that you talk about the racing community you just have so much more knowledge because this is what you live and breathe right yeah Besides, you also live and breathe hospital and... Yeah, I mean, it, it is to a sense, but I mean, you, in the race, I mean, if as a driver, you're basically selling yourself. Like, you're, you, like, myself is my company. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm selling to, like, these people. Like, like you, like, really renowned drivers are basically, like, their skills and, like, are their assets, in a sense. Like, mm -hmm. they're getting hired to drive because it's them right so do you think that your driving style without giving away anything has a distinct nature compared to other drivers no i mean i mean i've sat in your car when you go on 85 i'm i'm a little aware of your driving <laughs> ability but I, i'm I, what i really want to know is like i don't want you to give away any edges or anything like that but like i just i feel like i have less fear than most people like there's that certain like white knuckle syndrome that yeah. like people get when they're driving that like they think that oh you know i am you know they can only push themselves to a certain like point and like i tend to go past that like if they're doing a turn at like 90 miles an hour like i feel like i can do it at 110 i know and i am sad to say i've experienced it <laughs> so like and that, i mean that's what it takes in racing it's like you got to be the one to like push the boundary. Yeah, totally. Austin, another question for you. I'm just throwing them at you because like there's so much to unpack here, right? What's the next car you're looking into? Actually, you want to talk about Big Bird? <laughs> Let's talk about Big Bird for a second. So I bought another GTO. It's my daily driver and it's bright yellow. And it's more street legal, right? But yeah, it's 100% stock. No, it's not. You've definitely made some changes okay, to it I've already. I've changed the exhaust a little bit, but like that was it. 
Like I haven't done anything else to it. It's just funny because you own two GTOs, one like scary silver one, and then this bright yellow. Like we call it yeah. Big Bird because it it makes us laugh though. That that car is funny. I just want to mention it. This is where I was going with that. What's your next car? What's the next one that you want or that you're interested in? Not necessarily for racing, maybe for racing. What's something that you like? I'd like to work on one of these. I don't know. Like I've been thinking about that lately. Like, what is the next car that I want to get? And it's like there's just so many. Like also it's like the point where like do I buy another car at the point where like sacrifice not working on my like silver one right your main car your racing car and it's like because i mean when you do buy another car it's like you're that one of your cars is going to get left out yeah and it's like that's why like i want to feel like i know i know my silver gto is never going to be finished like i'm always going to be doing stuff to it but it's like i would think i want to get to a point where like i'm content with like where the car's at and like how it's performing Mm. to then like move on to something else that's cool i like that idea because then it, you can almost archive the car right yeah i mean like and i also i want to get into it i think i want to get into like drifting too which oh. is probably what the next car that i I buy what kind of car is a drifting car you can build anything that's it just has to be real drive huh so i mean like but i definitely want i want to get into that just because like you i feel like you become a better driver because you have a lot more car control because you know how to control the car at like or at speeds and at like uh with like traction breaking loose i mean you're sideways yeah you have to really understand you have car it's the stability like you're you you have a lot more car control because you know how to like counteract and like do other stuff like right now i i'm all about traction like i don't want to break loose like i want to go as fast as i can without breaking and getting sideways mm-hmm. and it's like what happens if i'm at 130 miles an hour and i get sideways yeah what do you do yeah that's like i mean i feel like i mean i'm a good enough i feel like right now i'm a decent enough driver to like be able to counteract that but like if i have a background in somewhat of drifting it's like okay i i kind of know what i can do at that point got you i have a question for you austin what should we do if i get a different car besides the car i'm driving now mazda miata you want to get a Miata? I, I love Miatas. Dude, I was thinking about Miatas the other day, too. They're just so cheap and, like, easy. Yeah, you're a pretty practical car driver, even though you spend a lot on this racing car. I re- we used to drive an Egg, or we used to call it the Egg, a Honda Civic. What would you say to the listeners is one of the most practical cars that you can get and have a lot of fun with? Personal opinion. Honda Civic. Honda Civic. Old hatchback, 90s? No, I mean, any Honda Civic. Anyone. Any. What, what about like a 2018 Honda Civic? Yeah, they're still good. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's reliable, cheap to modify. Like, signi- like you see all these car YouTubers right now? They're all going on these like Honda Civic like rampages. Yeah. Because they're buying them for like a thousand bucks and they can deck it out for like another 5,000. Dude, I saw a Honda Civic that was like a grandma car on... Uh, Craigslist. But that's the other what you day. want, though. I know it was like two thousand dollars, but the reason I didn't hit you up about it is because it had purple seats. Who cares? We can like, change dude, the seats. The purple seats are so gross, but man. we can easily change them. I know. I just was like, dude. you can go to Pick and Pull and literally buy some seats for like a hundred bucks. Really? Yes. I love. 
I, this has been my latest obsession because I build computers too. And I've been super interested in like bang for your buck budget building of things. So like it doesn't and even that's matter. What, that's what Honda Civics are. They're bu- it's a budget build. I got to get one. I gotta like get you can one. Or that or a Miata. Like the parts are the reason why they're so cheap and the parts are so cheap are because like there's so many of them. Yeah. Like you can go like on every corner and find a Honda Civic somewhere. Like it's just there's that many those cars out there and the the parts are the same way. It's like they make so many parts because so many people have them. So it's like, it's cheap. And it's like, for me, my parts are somewhat cheap, but like there's other cars that are like, the parts are super expensive. Like you think about a Ferrari, like there's not very many Ferraris on the road, which is why the parts are ridiculously priced. I I mean, it makes sense. How do you feel about BMW drivers? They're fine. They're fine. I mean, there's not like a, I I would say there's not a, uh, I take this back. I'm not even going to say it now because I know exactly. There is a specific type of like driver that is related to a specific car. And it is definitely it has to do with like, like Subaru, like WRX drivers. Right. <laughs> it's like stereotypical. Okay. I got you. I just, there's so many BMWs that are going for dirt cheap. Yeah. But they're like I said, like the parts are expensive, which is weird because it's almost like, I mean, I'm basically scraping the dirt for cars right now because I have to pay for my own college. And the amount of BMWs I see on Craigslist, I'm like, there are so many, but why are the parts so cheap? Or why are the parts so expensive in comparison to Hondas? Because there wasn't that many BMWs. I mean, not, you think about it. What person, you, what normal person has like $60,000 to spend on a BMW? That's true. That's true. And it's like, okay, the normal person is going to spend a cheap, buy a cheap car and like watch cheap cars, even brand new a Honda Civic is still the ch- a cheaper option. I'm just telling you, I would be shook the day that I see a BMW in your driveway, Austin. That's all I know. I mean, I thought about getting like one of those E30s. Like, like an older old, one. Yeah. Like the, 80s. The old ones look cool. I'm not going to lie. I, I I do like the old ones. Like the, yeah, the 80s. I mean, eh, I mean, if I bought a BMW, it would definitely not have like BMW parts on it. What about flipping cars, Austin? I thought about it. I've done it. You've done it. Like I, the issue with flipping cars is like, you have to have like, you have to build yourself up. Like you you have to, you have to have like the capital to like basically invest and do like car, a car that you are basically just going to be spending money on. And then like when you sell that car for a profit, you can't spend that profit because you want to be, you want to work your way up. Yeah. is basically what you do. You, if you buy a thousand dollar car and you invested a thousand dollars into it, and you fix it up and put like another thousand dollars into it and then sell it for four thousand dollars you don't want to just go buy another thousand dollar car you want to buy a three thousand dollar car and fix it up and then sell it for even more because that's where you're going to end up making your money in the long run interesting i always thought it would be neat if you like just started flipping cars as your full-time job it's a lot of work. Yeah, and you probably don't make that much compared to what you do now, huh? No, I mean, you you potentially could make a ton of money. I mean, you could make like 30, 40 grand off one car. What about, cl- like, you think classic cars is the market to do the flipping? No, I think it's more like, it just has to do with like the cars that you, I mean, when you talk about classic cars, the people that flip classic cars are also the ones that are building the cars. Yeah. So they're buying like like complete like pieces of crap and then like building it and making it like or restoring it 
and then flipping it. Have you ever seen those YouTube videos where they just restore these old sports cars? Yeah. I, well, and I, then there's the whole YouTube craze that like people are buying these like wrecked Ferraris and Huracans and stuff like that. Oh, don't get me started about the um, salvage purchases. What's with those YouTube videos, dude? They're like, oh, guys, I got this brand new uh, Audi R8 and it was a salvage title. I don't know. It seems like it turns on. And then like the mini- the video is like 30 minutes of him trying to figure out how to get the car to start. And it's so boring. Like, I hate those videos. I'm like, <laughs> you click on the video thinking, maybe I should buy a salvage car. No. And then he's like, uh, I'm sponsored by the company that sells salvage cars. I'm like, this is a bunch of crap, dude. No, you do, do not go out and buy a salvage car unless you have a legitimate like business, like car, like a car shop like an automotive shop that you have like everything at your disposal. Don't do it. Totally. Because I mean, that's the people that are built buying these cars. Cause they're the ones that are easy are able to fix them up. I, I mean, used to be like scared of looking at buying used cars until I noticed how good you are at working with cars, Austin. And then I was like, it's fine. I got like my own mechanic <laughs> at this point. Yeah. But I mean, there's to an extent, like you still have to buy a decent car. And the worry is like, if you have, like a fractured um what is it called like part of the chassis that's broken a frame yeah like a cracked frame or yeah something any like sort that. of any sort of crack in like the i mean that's can be that can be like welded i mean it's more like okay like you don't want to buy a car that's going to cost you more than what you paid for the car yeah in the long run like that's what like some of these cars like you okay like you buy a thousand dollar civic but what happens if the motor's blown out yeah. Like you're going to spend more of it than $1,000 to replace that motor. I thought you said the parts were cheap. They are cheap, but like, I, okay, to replace a motor, it would probably, probably cost you about $1,000, which is way cheaper than any other car to replace a motor. Right. What about Miata motors? Remember we were looking up that? Yeah, they're like six, seven hundred like bucks or something. That's crazy. Used, but I mean, you can find a Miata for like 1000 bucks, but in the end, you're going to end up spending more than what you paid for. Yeah. Dude. I like now I just want to surf Craigslist right now. You know we're gonna do it after Austin. I know. You know. And then you'll be like, dude, you're dumb. You're gonna get no money for your car. Well, like the point I have with like Craigslist and if you wanna go buy a car, you have to have the cash on hand. Yeah. Like that's why I tried telling your brother, like, when he was looking for his car, I told him literally have the cash in your room and if you find a car you got to go out and just buy it. Do you remember that the yellow Honda that we found online? Oh yeah, oh, that would have been too. That would have been too funny. If we both drove yellow cars. But yeah, that's. I mean, so I mean, that's what I I always recommend for people who buy Craigslist cars, is just have the money in like your house or something like that. And when you come across a deal, you message the guy or girl and you say, "Hey, I'm interested," and if they're available, you go and buy it right then. Yeah, that's how you really get the steals. Austin loves grandma cars. Because they have no miles and they're always sold for way too cheap. Yep. Couple tips for you guys. That's we just wanted to talk about used cars for a second for no apparent reason. Do you want to go back to racing or what do you want to talk about, Austin? Yeah, I mean more about racing. We can talk more about racing. Let's do it. What races do you have coming up? Um, so I have L.A., which is my next one on September fourteenth. How many races in the series? Fifteenth. What was that? Uh, I. Well, there's, what is it, nine races in the series? I'm only doing three, the ones on the West Coast, more or less. Okay. So, like, they have, let's see, they have races in Vegas, Colorado, L.A., Louisiana, K- 
Kentucky, uh, Michigan, or Ohio, somewhere around there. Um, lots of states. Is lots, what yeah, lots of states. And rich man will fly out to everyone with his and super yes, truck, and, yes. and he will race and then fly away. There are some people that literally do every single event. That's crazy. I mean, how do you have time to do a job? Because they have someone that drives their vehicle to that. <laughs> That's just so extra. It's so extra. It's like it's like me saying like, hey, I'm going to pay you like $2,000 to drive my car on a trailer to Colorado and I'll meet you there. It sounds horrible. $2,000 is like under the amount of money you probably have to pay. No. Like I'm talking like I'll pay for all the gas and everything too. Yeah. And the hotel room, right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm you're there. basically yeah. Just, you, I'll, you're, I'll, you're, you're, I'm good. Yeah. Just fire. <laughs> just uh, resign the check right here, and we'll be good to go. But for me, that's not worth it. Yeah. No, I don't think it's worth it either. Because I mean, for them, two thousand dollars is like nothing. I guess. I don't know. I'm an economist, and still, two thousand dollars seems like a decent chunk of money. Yeah, but for them, it's not a decent amount. I mean, uh, for me, two thousand dollars can go forward towards another part that make my car faster. Welcome to California. Exactly. Yeah. And most of these people do live in these like weird states that are significantly cheaper or just outside of the Bay Area in general. Yeah. It's nuts. But So you're doing three of the races. Is this a yearly event? Uh, yeah, it ends in November. So but, the last event is at SEMA, which is basically the this big convention it's held in vegas at uh of like basically car it's where all the new car parts come out and you put on your you know you display your cars and stuff like that and then it's the weekend right after following that so it's tuesday through friday sema and then saturday sunday is the event oh oh, this is the question that that escaped my memory um what is the track that you've always wanted to race on um is it in this series i'm just curious I think it used to be in this series, but now it's not. Well, what track? Uh, it's Circuits of America in Texas. Oh. So it's the same track that when Formula One comes to the States, because Formula One is usually all around the world. Um, it's the one that they race at. What's the track that's like not too far away? It's in California. It's really very famous. Yeah. Lamont. Laguna Seca. Oh, Laguna. Yeah. Yeah. Le Mans is somewhere I've else. I've raced around Laguna Seca. It's a fun track. It's just yeah. famous for like the corkscrew section and stuff like that. Okay. And they actually, I think it used to hold F1. Yeah. When it, it used to be there. But I mean, it's just, a, it's a very beautiful track because it's like in Monterey and right by the water. That's awesome. So it's just, yeah, it's it's very nice, but it, they're very stingy on the, who they let race there. Really? How'd yeah. you get in? Um, I remember I, like me and one of my buddies went there one day and they were like, it was like an open day and like there's just one guy that just let us drive his car whoa it was like super like random but like awesome that is sick <laughs> yeah that'd be sweet to do like a race series there i noticed that most of the races that you were doing it's not like car to car it's kind of it's all time-based are there it any- does all time-based i don't do any like you're talking about more like uh that's more like racing and like that's competition racing is what you're more focused on have you ever wanted to do anything like that yeah i mean that would be awesome but that's also like that's where the money like comes in competition racing yeah all that stuff like you're talking about like f1 nascar all that other stuff like that's where you're not 
you're not funding yourself racing. It's you're a driver and you have a team that funds you. I got it. That's the when that that get. That's when that kind of racing gets kicked in. Well, I guess I'm curious if they have any low tier like bumper to bumper racing. They do. It's like spec Miatas and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you gotta imagine if you're doing if you're a one man team, you're not gonna want to be driving an expensive no. car on that track. And actually, there is one race that I've actually always wanted to do, and I'm I I think I'm gonna do it next year. I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna make it my goal to do it next year. Okay. And it's. Uh, it's called Le Ma- the Lemons Race. The Lemons Race. So you take and you have to buy a five hundred dollar car, and it's the twenty four hours of the lemon. All right. So lemon means like the car was like a a dud. Oh, I got it. Like I got it. Got it. Yeah. So they they make you buy a five hundred dollar car. I think you have like a little bit of money to put into the car. You have to make it like safe. It has to have like a roll cage and stuff right, like that. Right. But usually you just use leftover parts that you have lying around, and you what do you call it? So you have to race that car for 24 hours straight. <laughs> so it's like the famous race of 24 hours yeah. of Le Mans, right, 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 which is in like France or something like that. Yes. So they make it like basically like that race, but it's 24 hours of lemon with and a you, trash car. With a trash car, and I've always wanted to do it because it's so cheap. Yeah. You can like you can basically do the whole race for like a couple thousand dollars, like all said and done. And I've heard like nothing but great things. I, it sounds like a great time if you're a racing enthusiast. And it's really not like, it's not focused on like, okay, who has the fastest car? I mean, realistically, it's, it's an like endurance. Who, it's, yeah, it's, it's who can survive. <laughs> and whose car will not explode after 24 hours of going. Like, and the, and you, you do like crazy paint schemes on it, like spray can. Yes, dude. That sounds like actually so much fun. It's so much fun. I, I want to do that. I, I, I would like, I would, definitely like it's going to be my goal to try to do it next year who's going to be your drivers for the 24 hours i don't know i th- well i mean definitely me but then like <laughs> how long can you last Austin? i think you can do up to four drivers right is what i think it is and then you just take segments like well, I you bet just you, plan it out i bet you eric he's one of our patreon producers for the year i bet you he would help you right you definitely do it yeah. he's actually coming I, I think he might be coming to s- in september to la good with me that's awesome he's gonna help me out or at least I don't know. He hasn't gotten back to me yet, but for sure. I, yeah, you got to at least get three drivers. I think. No, I definitely, I definitely want to do four drivers. Cause if you think about it, like you're going to be doing like what two hour segments or try to two hours of driving is exhausting on a track on a track. Yeah. So much different. Yeah. It's no, it's no I five down to LA or whatever. Uh it's straight like two hours of like just same same thing how do over you and over. how do you even like sleep after that you that's the, and that's the thing like you don't really you have to just stay up huh like i mean i think it later in the nights like when you get into like 1 a.m 2 a.m i mean you're trying to get like a couple hours of sleep yeah but like for the majority of it like you're you're doing your best just to like kind of like eat I know with, with the 24 hours of Le Mans, like the legit race, that is like very strategic and like they have like full like race trailers set up for you to go and sleep and stuff like that. Cause I think each driver does like two segments. I bet you segments. those drivers are working on their sleep schedules weeks in advance, right? Oh yeah. I mean, they're like preparing for it. Yeah. Definitely like staying up and like trying to just, you know, be used to being running on no, like no sleep. That'd be hilarious to me. I would the, lo- the lemon oh. race. I mean, it's so fun because, like, you definitely think, like, oh, that car is going to be super fast. 
and like there's cars that like just blow cars out of the water out at first but they're the ones that break yeah they explode and then yeah. like the ones that like are like barely chugging along but like make it through the whole race i want to see you, i want to see you do the civic dude i want to see you do this i think like civics are a big one in that race but like you'd never think some of these cars that like make it like uh like old like oldsmobiles or like pickup trucks no they don't really do pickup trucks but it's just like weird like okay it's like me taking like um like a, a old like toyota camry yeah and like putting a roll cage in it and then just racing it <laughs> and like that's what it that's what it comes down to that's so funny would you get the suspension done or adjusted or anything like that oh yeah i would i would try to do it a little bit like i mean you you, you want to put good tires on it like you know, try to stiffen up the suspension. I mean, you want to try to make it fast, but yeah, it's also you want to make it reliable. I bet you you could do pretty well in terms of placement, Austin. I I think it would be fun, and there's prizes at this too. Like what? Like thousands of dollars. Ah, I mean, hey, maybe you could get your money back if you win it. I think like you definitely there's like tiers, so like it's you know like usually racing is like first place gets a certain prize, second place, third place, and on. That's great, dude. I actually would love to. St- I'd love to go to that and see a race on that. It'd be super fun. I wouldn't stay for 24 hours, but uh, <laughs> I would definitely see you at the beginning. Why not just race in it? Me? I would destroy your time. We'd lose. No. I'd be like, and like just not be able to hit any corner. You know who you should talk to is my dad. Actually, he probably would love to. Yeah, I bet you my dad would love to do but like. would have a problem staying awake. Maybe. I mean, we'll think about it, though. Like, if you just used him for a we'd ma- have to plan it out yeah like he'd have to be mostly day yeah. i don't know let's talk to him about it afterwards austin we got four minutes to wrap up the show oh it's already been that long yeah it's a, it's almost been an hour um i know we've just been a little bit all over the place but race you like live and breathe racing right now that's like all you do as a matter of fact i never see you unless it's like late night and you're like hey you want to go see a movie i have one free night you know <laughs> and i'm like sure dude let's go hang out um what would you say to people who are interested in car culture or inspired? Like, how would you suggest them starting? Where where can they start looking for stuff? Like, is there a place for a dummy like me who doesn't understand cars at all uh, to get into it and find time to work on my car or find passion? Or like, would you say? I mean, you kind you kind of it's like it. all over the place. Like, if you find if you have a race like. I don't know if you have a certain like racing that you want to do it, the biggest thing is just going out and just doing it yeah like for me like the Optima series was always something that I watched with my dad on TV and it was like hey like you know this is open to everyone but like you have to have a car and stuff like that and like at one point I just decided I was like I'm gonna do it yeah and it's like I just I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna set the, the goals like I was going to do the first race in August and like if my car was ready, it was ready. If it wasn't, I was going to bring whatever I had at that point. So it's just, yeah, going out and doing it is the biggest thing. That's what I hear with a lot of stuff, even if it's just creative stuff. I mean, we say it on this podcast. We didn't have a podcast till we started, right? Exactly. And same thing with a car. I just think that it's pretty, it's an expensive hobby, huh? It's like stupid expensive. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally chose like the most expensive thing that you could probably do as a hobby. Yeah. Like golf would have been so much cheaper. I could I could buy like so many country club yeah <laughs> subscriptions or whatever you know. Like by the yeah by the end of the day, I think golf is an expensive hobby, and yeah. it's like I could computer gaming. I, I would have like 
basically AI by now. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to have money, right? What about, um, yeah, huh? I don't know what else I'm trying to ask with this, but you know, I was just curious. Um, do you have any other comments? What about your YouTube channel? Are you doing anything with YouTube? Yeah, I've made a couple of videos. I've just been so busy. It's like editing the videos is like the worst part. Yeah, editing this podcast is the worst part. Yeah, like I can literally take, uh, I can film a video in like a couple hours because it's usually simple stuff of like me like fixing my car or doing something on my car Yeah, and stuff like that. And like most YouTubers are the same way. Like they can film like multiple videos in one day. But it's like the, you know, unfortunate part is then having to edit the video. Yeah, editing. I mean, Cameron will speak firsthand. He says editing is the worst. Just takes forever. Yeah, and I mean, so, I mean, I definitely want to get more videos out there. And I have a ton of footage of, like, all of, like, any kind of footage that you could think of, of, like, on the cars and stuff. Like, I have a ton of install videos and, like, racing videos and stuff like that. I just haven't had the time to, like, actually edit the footage. I hear you there. I hear you there. But I think my main focus right now is trying to build up more of my Instagram. Yeah, just, and just finish the races, too, that you're involved in. Yeah. That's big stuff. Throw out your Instagram one more time. 04 Bad GTO. Check out these cars. Check out Goliath and Big Bird. That's the names of Austin's cars. Yeah. I, fr- I love Big Bird, dude. It's a great car. I love Big Bird. It's so, such a bright yellow. It's, like, so simple but so good at the same time. <laughs> It makes me laugh. It, like, it makes me think, like, okay, this is where my other car was before. Yeah. And, like, it kind of makes me jealous, like, why did I do this to all my other car? <laughs> it's not as bad as the egg, dude. That pimped-out Honda Civic was just horrendous to look at and ride in. Yeah, but it was so cool. It was so... Oh, it was so streetcar-ish, dude. Yeah, but it is so... I mean... I can now say that I owned a Honda Civic with a huge fart machine on the back of it. No, not just that, but with like cambered wheels that are like almost vertical <laughs> or horizontal. Did you make money off selling that? I did. Really? Because I bought it super cheap. Yeah. I bought it for like, what is it, 900 bucks, 1,000 bucks? Sounds about right. And I sold it for 3,500. Speaking of used cars, Austin, let's look at Craigslist for the rest of you. Thanks for listening. That's the end of this podcast. You want to say anything else, Cameron? Uh, that, uh, Austin, I'm so used to saying Cameron when he's here. <laughs> no. Just uh, just follow me on Instagram. That's about it. Everything Comes From Something is currently 100% fan-funded, and the show wouldn't happen without supporters like you, especially our executive producers, Darren O'Neill, Kiana Lay Yap, and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you so much for your support of the show. And of course, even if you can't give financially, you can continue to support us by just listening to our episodes, giving them ratings on iTunes, and telling friends about the podcast. Even share a podcast episode. If you think it's insightful or exciting or entertaining, it doesn't matter. Uh, We just are trying to get the word out about the show. We believe in our creative product, and we hope that you believe in it too with us. So we love you guys and we will see you next week.